We've already had church this morning. Amen. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Thank you. Thank you, worship team, praise team. I sit over there many Sundays, and my heart just begins to weep with a longing in my heart. It's not a sad weep. It's not a barren kind of a cry, but I... I just so long for the Lord to do things when we get together that can't be explained by men, that can't be explained by people, can't be explained by throwing money at it, can't be explained by getting the technology to, to get it out, even though we're so grateful, so grateful for these tools and ways that the Lord has given us. But I, I just pray that that things are already going on, and I know they are. I sense it this morning. Since it's so often when we meet, the Lord is already doing things before the preacher ever gets up to open the Word. It, it, it's not like that's the advertisement and this is the program. It's not that at all. It's that the Lord is in the house and the Lord is moving. And that, that old song, that old song, I, I surrender all. I surrender all. You know, Many times we, we're not at the place of surrender until we have no other option, until we have no other choice. It's either try to keep going on your own or it is just, Lord, I give up, I surrender. Folks, that's when he meets us and that's when he takes over and that's when the victory starts. So whatever, wherever you are, whatever is going on, whatever you're facing, whatever you're in the middle of, whatever you don't have and what you need, surrender it. Just, just surrender it to the Lord Jesus and, and give it to him and you watch what he will do in, in return. A problem sometimes is we, we say we're surrendering and then it's a limited surrender. We, we do it in the moment, and then we take it back, and we put the load on our shoulders, and we start trying to make things work out. That's not surrender. It's an unconditional <laughs> surrender that he, he works the best with, not to hurt us, but to deliver us, not to beat us down, but to build us up. Amen. Amen. I want to say thank you one more time to so many of you and just so, so many of you who faithfully are following the prompting of the Lord to help and support the work of Alamo City as we seek to stream these messages, these services out around the world. It's happening because you are being prompted and you're obeying the prompting of the Lord to help us get these these services out. We, we're still feeding here weekly. We're still helping folks with, with needs on a regular basis. So what comes this way is just being turned around and sent right back out in many ways to help folks who are in some tough places. We're going to get through this. Everybody, not that everybody says that, but you know, it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to believe it. God, God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him, and to those who are called according to his purpose. And we are gathered together because we love him. We're gathered together with our eyes on him because we believe he has a calling on our lives. We are called for his purpose. And he's working whatever's going on right now. He's working it together for our good, for his glory. I want you to take your copy of the scripture this morning, and I want you to find 
the book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians and chapter 3, where we're headed today is a spot that comes out of where we've been the last several months, where the focus has been, Lord, we want to know more about life in your spirit. We want to know what it is to be filled with your spirit, to be baptized with your power, to be animated with your life, to be borne along upon the wings of the breath of God, the spirit of God, to be filled with his spirit. And, and I, I pray that over this last week, you, you did those two or three things we mentioned last week. You sat with those verses that are the promises of God to the church, but you shall be filled with, with power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. To sit, to sit with those verses, other places, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give the Spirit, give the Spirit in power, give the Spirit in rivers of living water into our lives when we're barren and we're weak, we're powerless, and we need strength from another world, and he will do it. He promises that he will give to those who are asking him the filling of the Spirit, to, to sit with those verses. And then, and then as you sit with those verses, to wrap your arms around those promises. Lord, I'm asking you to make it real to me that that's what you meant. That's what you intend. It's my birthright. It's my privilege. It's, the, it's proof that I'm in the family, that you want me to be filled with the Spirit of the Father, the Son, His life. And, and then as, we, as we, we, we move forward with this, the practical application of some of those things. And, and here, here is, here, here's where I just want to give you this phrase, and we'll come back to it this morning again and again. The Jesus kind of free. The Jesus kind of free. I want to give you one unmistakable mark of the Spirit's work in your life. The Spirit of Jesus alive and pulsing and moving in our hearts. Paul describes it. He lists it for us actually here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Now, will you find that in your Bible? And I'm reading out of the New American Standard translation, um, and here's how it reads. Now, the Lord, Paul says, the Lord is the Spirit. The Lord is the Spirit. Well, who was he referring to when he speaks of the Lord? Consistently throughout the New Testament, when Paul is writing, he will say, the Lord Jesus Christ. To just use the term Lord means in Paul's mind, means in the inspiration of the Spirit as he wrote this, it's referencing the Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch how he cuts through so much of what can be theological debate and, and a scratch in our heads and trying to figure out what, what do we need to know about the Trinity and, and how are they all related. Watch how Paul just, just cuts right through the debate, and he says, now the Lord is the Spirit. The invisible presence of the Lord Jesus Christ is the Spirit. Now, which Spirit of the Lord Jesus? Which Jesus? The suffering Jesus? The impoverished Jesus? 
the little baby Jesus, the one still on the cross, which Jesus? We read the book of Acts. Peter had it explained to him as the others had explained to them by Jesus himself that when Jesus would be exalted to the right hand of the Father and they saw him lifted up from the mount there in Jerusalem and the clouds covered him and he was taken back up into heaven. And as he was taken back up into heaven, he was reclothed with all of the authority, with all of the power, with all of the prestige and honor that he had before he left heaven and emptied himself, Philippians 2 describes, and took upon himself the form of a servant and was born as a human baby. He existed before Bethlehem. He existed before Mary's womb. The point is that he was king of all kings then, and he was restored to that place, king of all kings, lord of all lords, and from the place of being re-exalted to the right hand of the Father. Satan couldn't keep him dead. The weight of sin was not enough to keep him in the grave. He paid the price. He defeated Satan, and he was raised from the dead, never to face death, never to face Satan in that way ever again. He was given all authority. That's what he said. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority. Everything that has a name has to bow before the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It well, listen, folks, we got to get this. We got to let it. This will, this will change your world, it, it'll rock your life. It is the spirit of the exalted Jesus Christ, it is the invisible presence of the exalted Jesus Christ poured out on the day of Pentecost and intended to fill the church for every generation of the church that would follow until Jesus comes again and we're all taken to heaven. The fact on the day of Pentecost that the Spirit was poured out is proof that Lord, the Lord wants to pour His Spirit out on you. That the fact that Peter, who was, who was a coward and who was shamed because of the fear around him, and so many of the others, they were paralyzed in fear. But when the spirit of the invisible Jesus Christ was poured out upon them and filled them, their fear lost its grip. That their, their terror of what others would do, might do to them, it, it faded within. And there was the sense of confidence bold confidence now that Jesus is off of the cross. He's out of the tomb. He's alive and in power. And he's not just alive in the universe somewhere. He's alive in me. He's alive in me. Where is Jesus? He's in my chest. Where is Jesus? He's working in my mind. Where is Jesus? He's given me eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to feel that is motivated by his grace and mercy. Amen. That's the spirit. Now the Lord is the spirit. And then he goes on to say, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. He's saying that where the Spirit of the resurrected Jesus Christ is working, 
The work is the work of setting captives free. The work is the work of freedom. Now, I want you to note these two or three other synonyms for the word liberty. Remember, your Bible wasn't written in English. It, 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 it was written in an ancient language. So we have to pull out of the ancient language into our way of talking and try. And sometimes it may take two or three or four words to describe one word out of the ancient language to get the full meaning. But here are some possible other substitutes for the word liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But listen to this. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is independence. Independence. No longer dependent upon something or somebody or some system for my happiness and my joy in life. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Hold on to that. Now keep going, verse 18. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. Now watch this, Christian, child of God, brother, sister in Jesus. We are being transformed into the same image, the, the image of Jesus that we're looking at as if in this mirror, from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. We are being transformed into the likeness of His glory. And it's happening by degrees. It's a process that has started. But we are in the process of being transformed into something. It's the word that we get the word metamorphosis from that describes a caterpillar crawling out on a limb, spinning a cocoon, staying in there for a while, and then gnawing out the far end of that cocoon, and instead of coming out another bug with all kinds of legs and only able to crawl, come out on the other side a butterfly, able to not just walk on the ground, but fly through the air. It means to change from something, from some form or some condition into something completely different. It's a a metamorphosis, not just a shaping of the raw material. It means a transformation of that material into something else that never had existed before. Paul is saying, here's what's going on in your life by the work of the Spirit of Jesus. You are being transformed from one thing that you were, one form or one condition, you are being transformed into a brand new something different, something you couldn't create on your own or accomplish on your own that only, the, only God by His Spirit can do, and it's happening in you by degrees from glory to glory. But here's what it also is saying. Since He says, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The Christian, brother, sister, get this. The transforming from glory to glory means further and further and further dimensions of freedom in your life, freedom in your heart, meaning that there will be some things 
that we, we've been tied to and we've been under so long, we don't even know that we need to be free of such things because we've grown so used to them that they're part of how we would define life and describe life. But it's as if the Lord is saying, and I believe, I believe it's a truth. I, I believe it is a truth that just cuts right through, through the, 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 the gender of, of believers and the race of believers and the location of believers that the great work of God in the heart of his child is to continually set that child free. And he will do that in a number of categories, but I want us to start with the main one, with the main one, with the main one, the beginning point. Leave 2 Corinthians 3 and keep going to the left until you find the gospel of John. In John chapter 7, no, not John chapter 7, John chapter 8. We were in John 7 last week, John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Now, let's just, just follow along as I get us started. Verse 31, John 8, 31. Jesus, therefore, was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth shall make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's offspring and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you shall become free? In other words, we've never been slaves. We've always been free. But watch, verse 34, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin." is the slave of sin, commits in the sense of regular, ongoing, habit, way of life. Everyone who regularly commits sins is the slave of sin. And the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. And then verse 36, if therefore the son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. The, the ones listening to Jesus were saying, we're only relating to oppression and the sense of slavery as if it were someone from the outside, some force from the outside that is trying to enslave us. That's never happened. We've never been a slave. And Jesus goes right into their hearts, and he just stands right in their hearts as if to say, I'm not talking about mastery out there. I'm talking about that which is on the inside of you that controls you, controlling you in the sense of sin. Sin is causing you to become a slave. Well, what, what, is, what does sin mean? What, 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 is, what is sin? Now, there are all kinds of higher-level academic definitions that we could try to pursue this morning, but we're not going to go there. Here, here's just, here is just a simple definition of what a sin is and then one application of what a sin is. 
Sin could be known as missing the true center and scope of our lives. Its, it's, a, it's original term is an archery term. The arrow is put on the bow, the archer bends the bow, aims at a target, and misses what he was aiming. It's to miss the mark. That, that's, the, that's the raw meaning, the, the, the core meaning. But on the bigger sense, missing the true end and scope of our lives, which is that we end up, we pursue, we're on the course to know our God, to know Jesus, to know Jesus, and to know him alive inside us, that, that what causes us to depart from that, and there will be specific things we could fill in that would cause us to miss the mark of a life pursuing Jesus. But some folks would say, well, I, I, don't, I don't particularly get all of that. I, I can't see God. I can't hear God. I don't know, I, I don't know really if, that I can really understand you know, and be bothered about it, what sin is in my life that I need to be set free from, that I'm a slave to, that I need to be set free from. Here's another way to check it out. Here's another way for sin, the missing of the mark for your life to be noted. It's people who love you and people who care for you that have tried to say to you, this part of your life is taking you away from the person that we know you can be. Instead of this being a place of of a good thing and a place of freedom, it, it's a place of slavery. You're, you're, you're bound to that, and we wish you would be free. When, when, it, when it hurts people we care about, when it, when, it, when it is in a sense, in a sad way, an offense to them because of some choice we've made or some choices we're making, it, 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 it can be substance, it can be attitude, it can be any number of things. But when folks who love you are saying, in essence, you are better than that, you are more than that, it can be one of the ways of the Lord just saying, okay, you're not getting it with relation to me, but will you at least hear it from people who love you, who have lips and who have voice and who have arms that can hug you and you can see the expressions on their faces, will you at least hear from them, please, that there is something that has captured you. There is something that has enslaved you. And here Jesus will say that the Son has come to set you free, to set you free from whatever that is that has caused you continuously to have to give in to something. It is said in contrast with the word for slave or slavery. It, it, the, 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 the word for slave can be, can be translated in these ways, or slavery. It means a state of dependence, a state of dependence. Slavery meaning a state of dependence. Instead of independence, it's a state of dependence. i got to have it. i got to go there. i, I got to be with them. And, and before the Lord and before those who would love you, would be saying, in a sense, you are more than that. You are a slave 
to that which you won't give up, and in most of the cases, it's, it's can't give up, whatever it can be in, in, in any category. Now, I'm, I'm, you say, why are you on this, preacher? I'm on it. I'm on it, my brothers and my sisters, because there's some of us that are so narrow-minded and so hard-headed and so determined, well, that's just the way I am. And then when the Lord will work, work some circumstances where whatever those, well, that's just the way I am, get challenged, and folks who love us will try to speak faithful to the wounds of a friend, deceitful of the kisses of an enemy, and some faithful friend tries to come and speak stuff, and, and, and we, why won't they just get off of it? It's because... They see you as more than that. They see you as better than that. They see you as those things holding you back. And here's the point. Jesus has come to set the captive free. Jesus has come to break the shackles, to break the power of that which is enslaving us. Now, so, some of us say, well, automatically, well, I'm not on drugs, and, and I'm not on prescription meds, and, you know, and I, I, I generally like everybody. So what do you mean that I need something to be free of? Well, that's not really for the next person to answer for the other person. But that can be something that as we go on in our lives, the Lord just keeps working at that place of freedom. At that place of freedom. Sometimes it comes in the form of a very unpleasant setting or situation. There would be some who would be listening and you would have to say, divorce came to me. I wasn't looking for divorce. I didn't want divorce. I wanted to spend the rest of my life, I thought, with that one I was married to. But the amazing thing is that sometimes those circumstances that do happen, the enemy is behind and stirring all of that. But we run straight to Romans 8, 28. But we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him, to those who call according to his place and, and according to his purpose. Some, would, some who are listening would have to say, it, it was not something I sought. It was a kind of freedom I didn't want. But I would have to say, at this point in my life, Divorce happened, separation occurred, but pastor, I just got to tell you that in, the, in that place, there's a further measure of freedom than I ever knew, a, a place of being set free, the Spirit of the Lord working to show you and to show me that we don't have to be dependent upon anybody but Him. We don't have to buckle under the opinions of any other man, any other woman, any other system. We don't have to buckle under any other opinion, save only his opinion, which we want to please, we want to bless, we want to honor. All right? So when he says here, therefore the Son shall make you free, he will make you free Indeed, and it is free at this point, at this basic core, free from the slavery of sin. Whatever it is that causes you and your life to be falling short of, to miss the mark of God's best, God's holiness. And so, so how does he set us free from sin? How does he do that? How does that happen? Well, he does it from the inside out. Not just from the 
outside in with, with straight jackets and shackles and threats. Here's what he'll do. He'll convince you that you were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. That you don't belong to Satan and to the course of this world. You belong really to him. And as you say yes to him and you respond to him and there's a pulling more and more of your heart to want to know Jesus more, then there is a calling, there's something that starts to happen inside you and he starts changing your want-tos. The reason that sin can control is because it controls our appetites. It dictates to our want-to. It, 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 it generates the passions and the longings. Jesus knows that. And he knows that if he's going to set you free, he's going to have to do something with the cravings in all of our hearts. Amen. It doesn't mean that immediately, that's why this is saying from glory to glory, he's changing us. It doesn't mean that necessarily all of a sudden, immediately, all cravings in those directions, we completely shut down. But what it does mean is that there comes to be a growing, gathering sense inside you that you're not by yourself, that it's not just up to you to make the determination and to make the decision and self-discipline and, and making yourself do it. If it was up to us and our willpower to change, we had already fixed the problem. But what we really need is some power from the inside, from the inside generating a strength, giving a new set of desires, a new set of pleasures, if you will, a new set of goals, a new source from which to get our attaboys and our encouragements and well-dones. And that's what the work of the Spirit to set the captives free will do. I want to show you, uh, turn over to John chapter, John chapter um, 16. Real quick, John 16, Jesus is speaking. John 16, 7. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the spirit, shall not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost, okay? From heaven, the rushing mighty wind, the flaming tongues of fire came upon the church there in Jerusalem. If I do not go away, the helper shall not come, but if I go, I will send him to you. Verse 8, and he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And then look at verse 9, concerning sin because they do not believe in me. The Spirit will work to convict people in the depths of their hearts that Jesus Christ is truly real. That what he said, he meant. What he did was in fact reality, both in the seen realm and the invisible realm. The essence of sin is not to believe in who Jesus is. And what Jesus can do. Those are the words of Jesus, okay, concerning sin because they do not believe in me. All right, go back to John 8. John 8. 
You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If therefore the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. The, 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 the sense here is, and this it will be true for believers, that, that we're not in the world, we've been brought to Christ, faith in Christ, we, we have trusted him in the past. But folks, listen, somehow as believers, we may have gotten the conclusion come to the conclusion that, that I am forgiven, I'm trusting what Jesus did on the cross, that he died on the cross for me, but the working out, the beating of this stuff in my life that, is, that has caused me to be a slave to it is somehow just on me. I, 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 I believe that he died for me, I know I'm going to heaven, but whipping addictions whipping these attitudes, whipping these things that are going on in my life. That, that's somehow up to me. And so we lose the source of the power to get free. We stay in the place of sin, if you will, by refusing to believe that Jesus can rescue you. It's not about rescuing us from hell, rescuing us from, from the, the past that we have done. It's about rescuing you right now. It's about him rolling up his sleeves and bending low and reaching into your junk, whatever that junk may be in our lives, and that he, by his power, will do the work of rescue. I'm believing that Jesus is my Savior, not just when I walked an aisle and got baptized, but I'm standing up in front of and before this which is enslaving me. That folks are noticing it's called, it turns me into another person. It, it takes me in a direction I want to go. I don't want to go. And I stand up in front of that and before that, and I declare, Jesus, my Christ, is rescuing me. He is saving me. It may not be that every step has been completed and the journey isn't finished. I'm not in glory yet. But bless you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. My eyes are on you and not on that which is enslaving me. And I keep confessing, and I do declare that you are the one who is saving me. Folks, read all the books you want to. Get all the counsel that you can pay and afford to do. But at the end of the day, it's not going to be some new information that sets you free. It's not going to be some new resolve to quit it or to see all the medical implications if you don't. It will be none other than Jesus Christ, the Lord of all, convincing you that he has the power, he has the heart, and now is the time for you to be set free. You say, Pastor, that doesn't happen. Don't tell me that doesn't happen. Alamo City, even this morning after the coronavirus, Alamo City is full of folks who would stand up and say, probably some of you want to get up in the pew and wave both hands and say, that's my story. That's my story. When I had things working in my life, even as a believer, that I couldn't change, attitudes, cold, hard, ruthless kinds of attitudes are just those kind that stay there, but they bend your choices. They turn you away from some things and into other things. In many cases, it would be some kind of a substance addiction or habit covered over but, all, but known to the Lord and known to the brother or sister. 
tried everything, talked to everything, to everybody. And it didn't change. It didn't stop. It didn't happen until we started following through on that song that was taught us, reminded us, Lord, I surrender it. I surrender it to you, Jesus. I'm not just saying that. I mean it. I give this up to you. And I'm trusting you. I put my faith in you that you'll be the one who'll start working on the cravings in my heart. Folks, he's the only one who can do that. You, you can't keep working your mind over and over. I ought to quit it. I ought to quit it. I ought not to like it. I, this is bad for me. I shouldn't do it. You can do that till, the, till your last breath and no change. But when Jesus, Jesus, the one who stepped out on nothing and all the molecules grew ears, and when he said, let there be light, the light came together. And it's still lightened since the day he spoke it. If he has authority over everything, he has authority even over your cravings, even over those runaway desires, even over those things that you covered, but you know you hadn't really covered because you got to live with it and you're living with guilt and shame and just hoping nobody finds out. If the Son shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. Amen. Amen. I want you to let that in. You know, just some folks say, well, just by coming to church, that'll help me. No, it won't. It may make you worse. You know, if I can just be around Christian people, maybe that'll help me quit. But what it'll do, it can, it can keep showing you the standard, but every day you live and you don't, you're not meeting the standard, you go back home in more guilt and more shame. It's not the examples of Christians. It's not fresh information. It is the impartation of the power of the living Jesus who by his spirit has designed this way for us to get help, for us to get help. He called him the helper. He called him the helper. I know you all are thinking, well, what in the world is that man so wound up about that? Aren't, don't we look clean? Don't we look decent? Don't we look like we don't, you know? Uh, that's true. That's true. And, and I'm grateful for that. But also know that there can be some, some hidden places in all of our lives that the Lord is in the process of setting us free from. Setting us free from. Remember that. From glory to glory, he's transforming us. In his likeness and his image to perfect in us. There was no freer human being who ever walked the face of the earth, earth than Jesus of Nazareth. He was free. Sin didn't own him, and something else didn't own him. So I'm going to leave sin, sin. The, 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 the Jesus kind of free that he will work to increasingly, by degrees, set us free from the attitudes, actions, habits, relationships that are, that are taking us away from the Lord's very best for us. The Lord who loves us, and the Lord who wants to bless us. And yet we find ourselves with some of these things, these wild horses that work inside of us, that even though we know it doesn't please him, we can't get shock of them. They stay there, and they'll stay there until the Lord reveals the answer and the solution, and that it is his coming in power to your life. Jesus, rescue me. Jesus, save me. Lord, I need you to set me free Indeed. Amen. Oh, but here, here's, here's the other. Here, here's the other place. To set us free from the power of sin. To set us free 
from systems, from systems, from the power and the role and the place of systems in our lives. I want you to find the gospel of Mark. Understand, I need to, I'm going to qualify that statement. Systems are good things in many ways. Systems can cause us to be productive or the collective body of human to be productive. We can do more together than we could by ourselves. Systems can be a place where you, you get encouragement, where you get your attaboys, where, where um, working hard and, and, and pressing on can, can be applauded and appreciated and you can move up that food chain inside the system. But systems, if they're just all about themselves, if systems have the attitude that we want to own, we want to own the mentality, we want to own the affections of the ones who are a part of our corporate body. We want you to think like we think. We want you to look like we look. We want you to behave like we want you to behave. Now, in the process of all of that, if you, if you toe the line, if you salute and you say, yes, sir, and no, sir, and so forth, you, you can get your attaboys and you can move on up. But in the process of that, a very, very important part of who you really are can shrivel up, if not die altogether. Jesus was repeatedly confronted by a religious system. And sometimes the most, most ruthless, the most pitiless systems on the face of the earth can be religious systems, denominational systems, church systems. Because we can use the background, well, we're for God, and if you don't agree with us, you must be of the devil. Well, what young believer is going to argue with that? All these old people, old enough to die, telling me I better behave, and we're thinking, well, what do I know? But in the process of that, something inside you cannot feel right about it. Jesus said to Nicodemus, the system man, the, the epitome of the system system in Jerusalem who came to see Jesus after dark one night. Jesus said, there's only one thing you need, Nicodemus, and that's that you need to be born from above. We can poke you and Scripture comes out. We can call out a day on the calendar and you'll sing the appropriate psalm. But the only problem is you don't really know God. You know about him. You got information that is true about him. But you don't have his life working in you. And then Jesus said, here's how you'll know someone who is born of the Spirit. You hear the wind coming. And you see the wind going. You don't know where it came from, and you don't know where it's going. And then he says this, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Hallelujah. That freaks 
out system people down to their socks. You mean I can't predict what's going to happen? You mean I can't tell folks this is what you got to do for the next 45 years of your life? Jesus said those who were born of his spirit are going to be like a leaf in the wind. The wind picks it up and the wind blows it. Neither the leaf nor the wind knows where it's going. So will everyone be who is born of the spirit. Folks, I'm telling you, systems can be good things. Systems can help you with education. Systems can help you with advancement. Systems can help you with various things. I'm speaking in particular of religious systems, church systems, Bible teaching systems. But if somewhere along the way, you get the sense that I dare not come up with anything that, isn't, that, that, isn't, that doesn't toe the line in the system, or I'm going to be in trouble. Then it's at that point in time where you need to realize that there are times in the life of a child of God in this process of increasingly setting us free that he will begin to work in your heart, not in every case, not with everybody, but in some very important cases like with Jesus and like with Saul of Tarsus. He will work to set you free from the system that brung you. Anybody get that? Yeah, you know, we, we were brought here, we were trained here, we were raised here, but if somehow there ceases to be the freedom to go hard after Jesus and to chase the spontaneous and chase the free with joy and independence and somehow you keep feeling like you're being clapped on, you're getting up to put on, but they want to bring you under wraps, under control. Welcome to the line behind Jesus. Take a number. Take a number. Now I'm here to say I'm a product of systems, plural. I'm grateful. Denominationally, my parents brought us up, taught us, my sisters and I, taught us the things of the Lord, trained us in the scriptures, went to, to college, went to university, two, two different degrees, a, a, a doctorate from in, in, in theology in a particular one of our one of our seminaries, known around the world. And I am so grateful for the men and the women who invested in my life. But you know what I'm the most grateful for? Is that they didn't try to own us or or say, David, this is how you've got to do when you get on out there. They they infected us, me in particular, I speak as a testimonial this morning, that they infected me with this this understanding of what what happens to you when you pray to be filled with the Spirit. And Jesus said, go. He didn't say anything about coming back. Go and make disciples. Go to the end of the world. You may go and never come back. But as you go hard after him, your life will be full of joy. Your life will be full of adventure. You will be stretched. You won't know what's coming next. But instead of it being something that causes you to wither and back off and want to quit, it becomes something that you you love to do. Now, I want you to, I got to read two passages and we're going to quit. Mark 7. The Pharisees and some of the scribes gathered together around him, around Jesus, when they had come from Jerusalem. 
and had seen that some of his disciples, watch this, were eating their bread with impure hands, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat unless they carefully washed their hands, thus observing the traditions, the traditions, the traditions of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they cleanse themselves. And there are many other things which they have received in order to observe, such as the washing of cut cups and pitchers and copper pots. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, asked Jesus, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of elders? Pardon my emphasis there. According to the tradition of them, not according to the word of God, but according to the tradition of the elders. But eat their bread with impure hands. He said to them, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you, hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me teaching as doctrines the precepts of men, neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. You find yourself in the middle of a system that is bowing down and worshiping the traditions of men rather than bowing down with outstretched arms before the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. You can find yourself in the middle of a system that will make it harder for you to hear the Lord, harder for you to see the things that God is doing because the system will try to tell you what to hear, what to see, and how to behave. If the Son has set you free... You are free indeed. He will say you don't have to have another teacher because the Holy Spirit would be the teacher. There can be and there are spirit-led teachers in the middle of systems. But those systems, if they're a place of freedom, will have their focus on Jesus. And the prayer that, Lord, will you keep setting these students free? Will you send them where you want them to go? And if they never come back here, if they never give a dime to our alumni association, if they're so far away following you, they never can walk back through the campus. Bless them, Lord. Bless them, Lord. Pour out your spirit on them. Instead of a self-serving religious system. Now, I'm talking, there's some pastors here in me. And I know what it is to be in the middle of systems and it's the local church. And you dare not speak a certain thing where you wish you could preach on the matter of the Holy Spirit. Or you wish this working in your heart to call forth repentance where you see sin in the pews. And you know there's a better way for folks to live than just that. I, I want to tell you. I want to tell you. You can, you can sell your soul to the system 
stay there to retirement. Or you can choose to say, Lord, I didn't. You didn't save me to suck up the system managers. You saved me to pursue you. You rescued me to tell the world about Jesus. You rescued me to follow you. And I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you. Free. The free. The free of Jesus. The Jesus kind of freedom. One other passage. One other passage. Here's Paul, the writer of two-thirds of your New Testament. We are the true circumcision, Philippians 3, verse 3. We are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. We put no confidence in the flesh. Doesn't matter what your title is, doesn't matter how, many how much you've been in seminary or school or how long you say you've known the Lord. Our confidence is not in you. Our confidence is in the Jesus who called us and who has saved you. He says, although I myself might have confidence, even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. Circumcised the eighth day, he starts going down through his pedigree. His resume, circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is found in the law, found blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, were gained to me, those things I've counted as loss. For the sake of Christ. In other words, there's a higher value working in my life now. Rather than staying in the places of pleasing all of those contemporaries and all of those leaders and all of those teachers in important places, I have a higher value. I have a higher calling. And that is to know my Christ. So he continues on. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. And then he says it, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. You see, Jesus had in mind a far greater calling on Paul than the system had. The system would have kept Saul of Tarsus in Jerusalem in the environs and probably, probably put, him in, put him in some teaching capacity or someone who would lead crusades against the heretics but probably no broader than just the Jewish people. But God had in mind, filling Saul with the Spirit, he turned, becomes Paul the apostle, and he gets sent all over the known world. The system can have 
a shrinking plan for your life, a containment plan for your life. Oh, don't go too far this way. (laughs) But I tell you, when the Spirit of Jesus fills you and you surrender your life to Him and you're not owing anything to the system except thank you for the good things I learned. Thank you for the diving board that that has become. But I'm taking a couple of springs and I'm jumping off as far as I can in the direction that I believe God's taken me. See you later. Thank you for all you've done. But I belong to Jesus. He's my master. He's my savior. And I'm going for him. I'm going for him. You be that one. I know what it's like to have two baby girls. And the powers that be rise up and say, you quit preaching through the book of Acts. And I hadn't told anybody they had to raise their hand or had to speak in tongues. You know, all the things. You just offered a lot of money for me to just get out of the book of Acts and become a part of some ministry somewhere else. But I felt like the Lord said, You stay here, and you preach my heart. I'll be with you. I'll deliver you. I'll show you my power in your weakness. And that's what we did. Shirley and I, by the grace of the Lord, that's what we did. That's what we did. And you know what they did? They kicked us out. They kicked us out of the church. Kicked us out. I'd only been faithful to Shirley, you know. Hadn't stolen any money from the bank, but it was because the book of Acts and the power of the Spirit and the life of Jesus is such a threat to system that they they can just try to shut it down, kill it, do away with it. But as a result of that, by the grace of God, Alamo City was born. Alamo City was born. And the folks on TV during those days, the folks on TV were listening and they would be watching and, and, and they heard this young preacher going through those things and talking about the Lord and the Spirit and evangelism and the power of the Word and the authority of the Word. And there were just a whole bunch of folks all across this area as they heard it. They began to say, you know, that's what we believe. That young preacher is in trouble for, we, for what we believe. And so when we got drop kicked through the goalpost of life, booted out of the church, those folks were out there saying, okay, let's go help him. And from the points on the compass, hundreds, even a few thousand, came in, and that formed the body of the Alamo City family. Folks, Jesus will not let you down. He he will rescue you. He will deliver you. He is greater than a system. He's the Savior. And he loves you and he knows you and he's calling you to step out and walk with him. Step out and walk with him. Lord, I ask you please to take these words where you need for these words to go. I, I, I pray for a pastor. I pray for his family where they're discouraged. And in the natural, they don't see how they could make it without the salary from the church. Lord, I ask you to show them, to speak to them, to to, to convince them they can trust you. Give them fire. Put fire in his heart. Unleash the glory of God in him as he stands in the pulpit. And may your will be done 
in his life, his family's life, in that congregation, and whatever else is to come. And Lord, there are ones listening today. They've gotten so good at hiding and covering, living a double life. Around Christian people, they're one way, but the secrets are known. Lord, I do ask you, set the captives free. Lord, send your spirit to break the shackles to set the captives free. They may know what it is to be free indeed. Free and if the Son shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. May it be, may it be, may it be. Now, you know, I just need to tell you, I, I, don't, I don't have a lot of energy to just stand up here week after week and just, just try to make everybody just feel so good about you know, where we are, and this, we're just all, everything's just fine and easy, because it's not, that's not the truth. Jesus said, as long as you're on this earth, you're going to be going through tribulation and difficulty. And some days we do tribulation better than we do other tribulation. Do I get a witness? Some days it's easier. Some days it's clear. Some days it's so what there needs to be the steady stream of is the hope that is found in the life of the Spirit of Jesus. He's not just coming to you on Sunday. But every day of the week, every hour on the clock, every, every second of our lives, every breath we take, fill me, Jesus. Fill me with your spirit. And here's what he's doing. He's increasingly setting you free. Setting you free. No longer dependent on the things that we used to think we couldn't live without, but showing a new way. Independent. Dependent only on him. Lord, thank you for the time together today. Bless my brothers and sisters. For the ones listening who want this, need this, aching for this, Lord, will you, will you take them to the place where they've never received you as Savior and Lord? Let them begin to cry out, Jesus, rescue me. Jesus, save me. Jesus, set me free. Do that in their hearts, Lord. We're confident and trust you to do it. In Jesus' name. And all the Lord's people said, amen, amen, amen. amen. God bless you. This is, this is sort of a rowdy crew here this morning now. It's been good to see your faces and hear your voices and bless you. We love you. We love you. Thank you for being here. Streaming family, we're praying for you. We love you. One day, maybe we'll get to see each other's faces physically. But if not, this is still awesome that we get to do this so many miles away. So many different time spans that are, that are immediately handled because of the streaming. God bless you. God bless you. Amen.